Every great film should seem new every time you see it. Hello and welcome to the 55th episode of the Midnight Film Review. I am your co-host Brian Stevens, and with me, as always, Colin Smith. Here for a little, uh, little post-election day, New America <laughs> wrap-up. Party slash, uh, I, I don't know, like, what what what's happening? What are we doing? What's um, the point of this podcast? The, the, the apocalypse is upon us. Uh, we are n- we are not in a um, nuclear winter yet. There's there's still time, and I have hope. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, this is a a weird day. We're we're in post election midnight film review. Like there, you know, like there's BC and AD. Yeah. This is like we a, were, a new era has dawned. We were in BT, and now we're going to be in AT. No, what would be really interesting is if we came super prepared with a with an in depth, fact based, empirically researched discussion about how the Donald Trump presidency will affect the American and worldwide film industries. <laughs> Fortunately, we are <laughs> neither smart nor dedicated, so we have nothing of the kind to offer you. And it sounds depressing. Let's be um, honest. I mean, yeah. Well, let's we'll, we'll try and stay we'll try and stay neutral. Brian's leading off this week. You know, he just he just drilled into my head what we're supposed to be talking about, and I have already forgotten. <laughs> um, I'm just sort of in a, a daze. You know, no, nobody. Uh, nobody told me this was going to happen. You know, I, I'm not not going to be fatalistic, but uh, it's been a weird day. How about that? Yeah, it's it's weird. been a weird day for a lot of people. I think so. You're um, you're glazed like a donut. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> In more ways than one. <laughs> All right. Well, we I just want to apologize to you and the podcast because we couldn't record last week. I was out of town. Things just didn't fall the right way. It kind of worked out okay because there was really nothing out last week for us to review. Yeah. Um, this always happens where like we miss a week, and then when we come back, there are then there are more than one yes. movie that we are interested in seeing, and we can't like make it work. Yeah. So. There's like a glut of movies. Yeah. Um, but this week we have a show for you because we did see a movie <laughs> last week. <laughs> We're going to talk uh, a little bit in open discussion about AMC Theater's record profit this quarter, which I think shocked us both, would you say? You shocked? I was shocked. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> and then we're going to talk about um, some more bad news. Uh, Quentin Tarantino has an- announced his retirement. <laughs> some t- sometime before he dies, he will retire. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Uh, and then we have an email. We're gonna, we'll get to that. Uh, then we both have media hot takes this week, and we will finish up with a review of the latest Marvel entry, Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. <laughs> that was a great one. That's a good job. It's like it's like if Mark Strong was the narrator <laughs> for Doctor Strange. Yes. Doctor Stephen Strange. <laughs> can, can you do the rest of the podcast in that voice? I honestly like with the way the mic is working. I'm I'm sure that was totally inaudible. Yeah, anyway, good point. So. Yeah, people were probably like, "What is he? What is yeah. he saying? Why is he mumbling? He sounds like he's, he's doing accents again. That pretentious fuck. <laughs> tell him to shut up, Brian. Tell him to shut up. He sounds like Christian Bale talking normally. <laughs> um, 
All right, so let's hop into it. So AMC uh, record profit last quarter. What? Yeah, I just, uh, I mean, man, like they had. The, so the first thing I noticed reading this. All right, well, let's just do the numbers. Thirteen point two percent increase in revenue. Uh, to about seven hundred and eighty million dollars. Uh, ticket sales, twelve point six increase to just shy of five hundred million dollars. Their profits on that, $30 million. That is a, not a good margin at all. But... That is an awful margin. Why Why would anybody be in that right. business? And that's, that's, a, that's a horrible. And they doubled profits. Yeah. I mean, so what you're saying before is you had like, what, I mean, almost $800 million with 15% profit. So just, that's so bad. Like... Three three percent profit. <laughs> yeah, that's not. Am I, I mean, is my math wrong? I'm pretty dumb. Is that? It sounds right to yeah. me. I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm not gonna. Not gonna push you too much on it. <laughs> but I think, uh, you know, you look at this, and there's several things that jumped out. They had a ten percent spike in attendance. Now, now I want to clarify. Make sure, like, we're talking just about AMC theaters. Yes. Um, part of this article is also talking about their. Talking about acquiring Carmike Cinemas for one point three billion. That is, I mean, if you're, I, I have to assume that the profits of Carmike are similar to the the, the profits of AMC. Yeah, as far as per percentage margins. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So or worse. <laughs> or it could be worse. Yeah. It just seems like a lot of money to invest, and not a lot of return. I mean. Now we kind of know why it's so expensive to buy a popcorn. I mean, yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's there. There's a lot of. Uh, seems like a lot of horizontal acquisitions going on in the, the theater world. I mean, we already have huge conglomerates like Cinemark. Um, yeah. And it it seems like AMC is their other big direct competitor at least in the midwest markets that we are familiar with um so yeah i don't know it and honestly the my experience is though it, it has changed significantly with amc theaters we've noticed they have recliners now there's less seating uh because of the recliners um then anything any of the newer amcs built have uh what they like to call snack bars i guess which, I mean, offers everything from beer to ice cream to fresh-made food. Um, it's a little bit... It's not your normal, run-of-the-mill theater experience. Although, um, we, do we ever go to an AMC? Uh, I guess, I mean... The two theaters we go to are Cinemark. Are, are Cinemark yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I do occasionally go to AMC. The, I've went to the, did you go to the Westchester one? People, we, we have been to the people Westchester. People don't know what Westchester is. But, um, so the ones locally, uh, the the one on the, the levee and the one at Westchester, they're both fairly newer um, theaters, I feel like. They're not that old, but they've both been renovated. Um, I just went and saw Doctor Strange in Westchester, the AMC. And um, let me just say this. I guess I, I was going to talk about this in, in the actual review, but now that we're talking about AMC, the picture quality was awful. Huh. I had to complain because the color was just off. They and it was 
it was one of the worst experiences I have had in a theater in a long time as far as, as uh, viewing visually it was just god awful and they have these recliners now uh, like Cinemark which I was not pleased with at all uh, if you put it all the way back there's a wall in front of you and it blocked the bottom part of the screen so I couldn't go all the way back and it just it was it was just not a comfortable viewing experience uh, and like I said this the screen the screen was it felt it just felt like they kind of half-heartedly renovated um, so I don't know how the AMC is near our listeners but the ones here in Cincinnati they've renovated but they just I, they don't I'm not impressed yeah, so I guess the other big chain is uh, National Amusements, who owns Showcase and who owns Cinema Deluxe and Multiplex and Kinostar. Which we have um, none of those around here, right? Not, so there's a, there, there is one somewhere around here. Um, there's a Springdale is a okay. Showcase. That's right. Um, and then there used to be Showcase Cinema Cincinnati uh, in, the, in the heart of... Norwood there, um, which was, you know, you, you've got about a 50-50 chance of being robbed. So uh, <laughs> okay, but ticket prices were cheap, and uh, that's good. It's worth the risk. Yeah, that that's a movie theater where we were like eighteen and just bringing in like forties and that okay. everything smelled like pee and yeah, you know, there were gangbangers hanging out outside and uh, it was a good time. I would be interested in knowing Cinemark's. Uh, numbers now that AMC's released theirs yeah I, I just I feel like ever since uh, you know this is totally anecdotal we're way off topic now but having been to these three big chains I, I feel like my experience at Cinemark which includes like Rave their Rave chain yeah has been consistently uh, very good as far yeah. as movie theaters go I agree 100% um, I've ne- I, yeah I did, sorry I didn't mean to cut you off no that that's it they seem to be managed well so uh, yeah I don't know uh, I I agree I think that the, to me the main difference is they care about what they're doing if that makes sense they care about the quality of the picture they they care about the quality of the viewing experience the 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 and the new recliners that we sat in what movie the Ouija they actually had a four quadrant adjustability yeah so you could one of the complaints I've always had was I like maybe to sit up a little straighter and have my feet out and now you can do that yeah it's, it's magical but I, you know so we're, we're super off topic now um, but really what this article doesn't talk about is where this huge revenue increase came from um, yeah like in Variety says something like, well, there have been a bunch of blockbuster end of summer movies. Like, what fucking movies are you talking about? (laughs) Where where did the spike in revenue come from? I I don't understand. Um, Yeah, because we we talked about this a billion times. Summer revenue was down, what, 14% over last year? Yeah, something like that. I mean, basically the theaters have been whining about... um, lower attendance numbers and lower ticket sale revenue for like a year. Right. Um, and all of a sudden AMC is posting uh, posting record profits. Maybe not. All right. So posting 
hugely increased profits uh, right as they're trying to make the acquisition of another theater chain. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. A little weird. Oh, seems, uh, yeah, that seems a little fuzzy. All, the, all of a sudden, they're... Uh, Yeah, never mind. Okay. I was going to talk about accounting. It, it doesn't matter. Who cares? Let's talk about something else. All right. So the other big news, and um, I feel like I'm, we're just piling on right now with sad news, but Tarantino um, was at a film festival. It was in San Diego. It, or Sorry, it was a, co- a conference. It was the Adobe Max Creativity concert, uh, Conference, and he... He confirmed a rumor that had been bantied about that he will be retiring after his next two films. <laughs> so I mean, what? What a? What, why? What? What is the point of making an announcement like this? That's really what I want to know. Well, so his announcement. This. This is. He's quoted as saying, "Drop the mic, boom! Tell everybody, match that shit. <sighs> match that shit." Yeah, I mean, look at that! Look at that face. I, I just, uh, you know, why don't you just make your films and retire? I, 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 I don't know. I, you, you seem to be sad about this, and I feel like Quentin Tarantino should just shut the fuck up and make movies. Um, <laughs> this is a stupid, weird ego trip publicity stunt, uh, and I don't really understand what the point of this is um so uh, i was trying to figure out how long it takes him to make movies anyway so what realistically what is a what is the time frame here and let's let's see so we just had bastards this year no hatefully hatefully oh gosh that's what i meant to say um People ate Django, bastards. See, my brain doesn't work today. All right, so we got director, Hateful Eight 2015. Django was 2013, or 2012, rather. And Bastards was 2009. So it looks like every two to three years is uh, uh, recently um, kind of been how long it takes him to, to make a film. So... I mean, we're looking at, what, 2021? He announced his retirement, you know, like six years from now. It just, it just, it's so stupid. I don't, like, get over yourself and go make some movies. <laughs> that, that's my take on this. Well, he says that in the meantime, he wants to work on a uh, non-fiction project centered around cinema in 1970. Uh, it could be a book, a documentary, a five-part podcast, he's quoted as saying. That's exciting stuff. So, I, I I do agree with you. Like, I think for Tarantino, um, he's always been a self indulgent person. He's or, you know he's he's always liked to talk. He's always been one of those people who you can't get him to shut up. I watched a I got really excited because there was an interview last Christmas with him and um, P T Anderson uh, because they had Eighth Weight coming out and they had and he and P T Anderson had. Um, uh, what movie just came out of his Inherent Vice? Yeah, Inherent Vice. And there was like this. They both use film. You know, they both directed film. So this was like a a Q and A just between a few people, and they were talking about using film. And Tarantino dominated the conversation like unbearably. Yep. And 
it's one of those things where it's like, I love Tarantino's work, but he feels so self-important that like, we should all be sad when he's gone. Like, and I mean, I will be sad, but at the, in the long run, it's like he he really hasn't made that many movies. Like you mentioned, every two or three years, but before. I would say before Inglorious or Death Proof even I guess was before that and like between Kill Bill and that there was like a huge gap. Well, there was a big hiatus between Jackie Brown and Kill Bill. There were six years there, um, but after that, I mean, no, he, he actually, I mean, it was like so Kill Bill two thousand three, then Part Two, two thousand five, then Death Proof two thousand seven. Okay, so. Then Bastards than Django. Yeah. So no, it's been consistent since then, I think. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I will miss him to an extent, but I think you're right, it's a little self indulgent. I'll, I'll miss his films, but honestly, uh, Quentin Tarantino, the egomaniac, can uh, can shut the hell up and He's a maniac, maniac. Yeah. So bef- before we launch into emails, um, I think it's worth pointing out that uh, Doctor Strange has just Opened very strong. Yes. Um, to, to say the least, um, it's already pulled in almost $340 million worldwide. And Disney, as of 2016, has been propelled past the $6 billion mark. Jeez, we have Rogue One this year. Yeah. They could foreseeably make $7 billion this Jeez. year, which would be a, uh, a record for a studio. Um, by a large margin. <laughs> um, yeah. So that... <sighs> I mean, $7 billion is just... Because uh, last year, the whole industry did like $15 billion, right? Uh, something along that line? I, I don't even know. Um, yeah. But I mean, Doctor Strange opened pretty strong considering... Mm-hmm. Who the character is? Yeah, I mean it's it's not a, a known IP. It's a, but it's the fourteenth Marvel Universe film to premiere at number one. Jeez. Um, so the Marvel Cinematic Universe films are tied with Pixar for the most consecutive number one premieres in a row. Wow. Um, and if Guardians premieres at Guardians two premieres at number one, they'll take that record. Um, it should. I don't. There's no reason to think it won't. I just uh, it's it's the their second Doctor Strange is their second highest grossing um, solo origin film. Wow. Opening behind Iron Man. That's pretty insane. And it's the eighth highest grossing comic book opening ever. Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is yeah. Wow. Uh, and internationally. It's the third largest MCU opening behind Avengers 2 and Civil War internationally. Wow. Right? Uh, So they mentioned that Benedict Cumberbatch is apparently very popular in China. Uh, I guess Sherlock has made it to China. Um, So Makes sense. He's a handsome man. (laughs) He's... But he's not though. He he and he makes fun of that. There's there's just something about it. It's it's it is like a uh, yeah. It's just that thing. He's got that thing. They they did a he hosted SNL. They did a they did a yeah. fun little bit about that. I mean that those those stats are just. I mean it's mind numbing to think about that. Yeah. And I, man, I I can definitely I could definitely see the appeal of the Doctor Strange character. Uh, 
but I wasn't I wasn't super like stoked to go see this movie or anything like it wasn't I I didn't feel that anticipation you know that it seems like the world was just clamoring for this movie yeah well wow. I mean you know the, the they just They've set the bar at a certain place, and they consistently deliver yeah. where we expect them to. So that's right. Yeah, they'll keep fucking printing money, and all the other studios will keep losing it. Keep making awful, questionable films and hemorrhaging money. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, all right. So let's move on to emails. You can always email the podcast at midnightfilmreview at gmail midnightfilmreview at gmail We will read your emails live on the air. Uh, we also have an, an iTunes review that I will read uh, as well. Do um, you want to go ahead and read this, Colin? Sure. Uh, Adam says, Good evening, Midnighters. My eldest daughter is still obsessed with Suicide Squad, even after seeing the film. <laughs> Sick burn. Um, so I bought the official 2017 calendar for her. I was looking at the picture on the back, pictures on the back when I bought it, and to my surprise, Afterthought, sorry, Slipknot has a whole month to himself. <laughs> Well played, Adam. Um, I don't have a question or anything interesting to say. Sorry. I hope you both enjoyed Doctor Strange more than I did. Hmm, interesting. Until next time, Adam. Um, and Adam, uh, yeah, I don't know if we're going to deliver on that promise. Um, I guess we'll, we'll find out in a few minutes we'll, here. We'll get there. P.S. I'm now following you on Twitter and we'll check out your NBA podcast. Love the name. Though I don't follow basketball like I used to. I was a big Heat fan from the mid-late 90s until just before LeBron arrived. Unfortunately, the TV coverage here was jank around that time. I believe the coverage is good now, good again now, but I don't have the time anymore. Perhaps you can help rekindle my passion for basketball. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that, Adam Etheridge. I will do my best um, to rekindle that. Uh, How about... How about Slipknot getting its own spot on the count? They must have been like, we need somebody uh, to fill only, this one. They have 12 months they got to fill, you know? Yeah. Got to, uh... <laughs> I mean, wow. double up on, on Margot Robbie. That's what I'm Scantily yeah. dressed. Yeah. And, uh, but you still got some ground to cover after that, so... Uh. I mean... So, did you see any of the Halloween spots for the Suicide Squad? No, although the, the fact that every... Every woman was going as um, Harley Quinn. Margot Robbie Harley Quinn this year was a meme. Yes. Yeah. There. Well, they did a Halloween spot, and it was like all this, all this Joker stuff. Like it was just Joker, 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 Joker. And I'm like, he's not even in the film. Like you. Well, it was uh, the the marketing for that movie is just it's mind blowing. Just um, like the the editing for just that like movie the was, and, and the writing right. it was all mind blowing. Oh man! Well, I'm I Adam. Thanks for the email. I'm sorry that your daughter is still obsessed with Suicide Squad. I feel like I feel like younger kids just really they love that movie. Yeah, it's and and you know Adam when you wrote in uh in sort of stunned disbelief and um, irritation after uh, the Brexit vote. Well, uh, the shoe is on the other foot. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Right. Uh, we had our help, own... help us. What do we do? <laughs> We're calling out. Um, so, I want to read an iTunes review because I... I always is say it, it from Stone Scientist? No, it's not. Oh, it's okay. from Chunk the Punk. Oh, what up, Chunk? Uh, really enjoy the reviews on the website as well as the podcast. You guys really know your stuff and I agree with most of it except for your thoughts on Forrest Gump. Keep up the <laughs> 
Well, <laughs> I listen. I know it's not a popular opinion, but I just encourage anyone who hasn't watched that movie to go back and rewatch it. So Think critically. See. Look past the <laughs> nostalgia. The and and Tom Tom Hanks's charisma. Yes. And the unrelenting optimism of of the character. Look past it Wait, and see it. see what's really That's going such on. Such a good way to put it. See what they're selling you and see what the message is. Yes. So. That's exactly right. All right, well, I think that's going to do it for open discussion. We'll be right back with some media hot takes. Media hot takes. All right, Colin, we're back with some media hot takes. Media hot takes brought to you by the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I like sponsorship deal. Hey, you got to fund that wall somehow, right? Yeah. There you go. Uh, so we both have a media hot take this week. Um, sort of. Well, no, we both do. Sort of. You're going to talk about something, I'm going to talk about something. Sort of. Okay. Um, so uh, for, first, I really want to, real quick, I want to give a plug. So that, in all disclosure, the review that I just read was from uh, my friend, uh, Justin Lynn, also known as Chunk. He started a new podcast, and I want to give that a plug. It's called Afternoon Yap with Chunk and Dinger. Um, it's sort of a video game podcast. They talk about old games, new games. They're really funny. Um, they So I hope he doesn't get mad, but he took down an episode, the, the most recent episode, because there was audio problems with it. But Chunk likes to antagonize Dinger a little bit. And so he made up this story about the term taking them to taking someone to the woodshed, and he told him that <laughs> during the time of slavery, they would take a slave to a shed and give them a dozen cookies for being good. And, of course, Dinger is forced to then Google what it really means, and it was, it was pretty funny. Um, I enjoyed the podcast. I think everybody else will, too. They're pretty funny dudes. And if you like old video games, video, new video games... Um, it's pretty good. Anyways, so Afternoon Yap with Chunk and Dinger. Check it out. Uh, so I'll start us off with my mini hot take. Um, please. <laughs> so this movie had been out around the time of Don't Breathe, and I was interested in seeing it. Like, I had heard good things about it. People had said that it was scary and it was funny. Or, sorry, it was fun and scary. Not funny. It's not funny at all. I don't know why I said that. Um, but it was fun and scary, and it brought to mind some of the other uh, more recent horror films. And I definitely can see that, and that's Lights Out. So Lights Out is the story of... Why are you laughing? Because uh, just the... Uh, sorry. The trended horror film movie title oh, yes. this year. Yes. Lights Out, Hush, Don't Breathe. <laughs> Lights out, hush, don't breathe. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, sorry. That's wait. There's another one coming out. What's it called? Um, we just uh, the movie with Naomi Watts that we were like shut in. Yeah, I don't know if that fits the pa- I, It kind of does, but it's not comical in the same way. No, you're yeah, whatever. Right. Okay, I'm sorry. I couldn't <laughs> help myself. That's a okay. child. Okay, <clears throat> sorry. So Rebecca, played by Teresa Palmer, um, has a little brother, Martin. 
who experiences the same exact events that she did as a child. There's a huge age discrepancy, by, by the way, between these two. Um, Teresa Palmer is obviously in her 20s, and this kid's like 10. Um, so the, the conceit of this film is that there is an entity that can kill you, hurt you in the dark. And yeah, light. And now I remember seeing the trailers to this film. Yes. And, uh, okay. I'm really interested to see where this goes. Um, so, and then, the, so light uh, prevents it from harming you. Um, interesting con- conceit, um, but not very well executed. This movie, let's see. This movie is not scary, it's a, barely a horror film. It is. It feels like a blatant ripoff of the Babadook, uh, because this movie. And I'm not giving anything away. If if you don't pick this up in the first fifteen minutes, then I I feel sorry for you. But it's blatantly about <laughs> depression and anxiety and mental disorders. But it is so heavy. Like it's so heavy handed that. I was I felt embarrassed for the filmmakers. Like the the good reviews that this movie got, I don't understand because it the first scene is is frightening when they try to set up the rules of this entity. But it the entity speaks. The entity is an actual person. Like it is just the most convoluted mess of a story. The direction is good. The direction is uh, honestly I that was probably the most part of this whole failure of, of, of a film is that the shots are well framed um, it looks good I do think he could have done way more with the the lights and I mean the easiest you have a conceit that involves light and darkness there are so many things that you can do to make that scary or to play on that and it doesn't the film is uh, I think it's like an hour uh, hour and a half long it feels long but then again it feels like there's a lot more story that could have been told um, it's got a good cast it, I don't know this movie I, I just it made this movie made a ton of money like at the box office it was made on like an eight million dollar budget or a shoestring is it a is it a Blumkin house movie it looks like I, it, it I, smelled I, like a Blumkin I think house it movie. I think it is but it 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 definitely feels like one. Um, it just, it. Uh, sorry, it was this. It was made on five million, and it grossed sixty-seven million dollars. Good God. Um, it's not good. Like I'm just gonna, if a horror movie doesn't scare you, then it doesn't. In my opinion, it at least has to be entertaining in another way, and it's not. I was bored in this movie. So lights out. Don't go see it. Don't rent it. And just ignore it. Okay. Well, watch uh, the Babadook instead. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I, when you were setting that up, I was like, there was another good horror movie we didn't we saw we could have seen instead of. Uh, oh, I can't even keep them straight. Don't anymore. breathe. Don't breathe. Um, but yeah, no, I remember seeing trailers for that and eye rolling hard. Don't breathe was a better movie too. Well, that yeah, that's all. That's all. I, says all I need to know. There you go. Um, so, uh, sometime, I guess earlier this year, maybe, 
I talked a little bit about NBC's new, uh, I don't even know what to call it, NBC's new show, Superstore. Um, and the first season ran, and I watched it, and one of the, early, like, the second episode was really strong, and I decided, you know, it was promising enough that I would kind of background watch it. But I was really curious if it was going to ever sort of develop into something more than just an above average sitcom. Yeah. Um, and the second season, we're at least halfway into it. We've done at least six or seven episodes so far. Uh, and the show is steadily improving. Um, not a ringing endorsement, I know. But we're talking about like a mainstream primetime network comedy show. And I, I think considering the like potential appeal, audience appeal of the show, uh, like who it's acceptable to watch or who they might try and market it towards, it's 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 pretty strong. It's above average. Um, so they They've kind of gotten rid of some of the annoying, one of the annoying plot devices, which was sexual tension between the two leads. They've toned that down. They have given more screen time to supporting characters. Um, they have sort of dialed back the ridiculous or unrelatable qualities of some of the characters. And they're really starting to find their stride. Um, there are some great things about this show. Uh, it does this weird thing that I don't, I don't even really know if there's another show that has done this, but uh, for scene transitions, um, every episode there are these like non sequiturs that just, it's like a, a camera is capturing something that's happening in the store. Um, and they are so funny. The show, in, in a weird way, the show is almost worth watching for these little transitions. Um, really? And I don't know how to describe it or uh, really even how to reference it like by t talking about it, but they, they always kind of have something to do with what's going on in the episode. And... The way they are shot and the, the the way they are conceived are, are brilliant. Um, there are also just a couple really funny characters um, and some great sort of supporting performances and great character performances. Um, you know, America Ferreira is, I just, I think the show would be totally fine without her. Um, Jonah, the other main character played by Ben Feldman, they've sort of, they've dialed back his character, made him more relatable, um, and are, kind of make fun of him more. Um, and I think his performance is, is better, um, like more, I don't know, less self-aware maybe, um. But they, they stopped trying to make him so relatable or a surrogate for the audience. But really, Colton Dunn and Nico Santos, who play Garrett and Mateo. Um, Mark McKinney, who plays Glenn, the store manager. Um, 
and there's even a really small character uh, bit part. Um, Sandra, played by Kaliko Kawaii. I'm glad you said that, and I didn't. Kawaii. Um, just, just really funny and add a, a great touch to the show. So, um, you know, th- I don't know. This this show is is interesting. It it continues to get better. Um, they do some really overt social commentary episodes, and the conceit of it all being shot into every episode just takes place entirely within or around the store. Um, and I, it, I, I don't know. I, I still feel like the show has potential. I'm enjoying this season as a whole, a lot more than I was enjoying the first season. And I hope the writers, uh, continue to find their stride. So, uh, yeah, that's Superstore. If you're bored or if you want something to watch with a significant other, or something that is not going to like offend a, a parent or family member or something <laughs> yeah. like that everybody can sort of agree on and find something to like. This is that show, and I just don't feel like there are a lot of shows out there like yeah. this. Or if the show didn't have something to offer, then I wouldn't tolerate it. But uh, it's there. So yeah, Superstore, check it out or don't. And that's my media hot take. I feel like most people, sh- I, I haven't watched it yet, but. It just the the state of television uh, and sitcoms in general. If you can find one, like it's worth it. So I'm gonna take a recommendation and watch it because I love sitcom. Like that's the thing. I sitcoms are so fun to pass the time with. Like yeah, you know. And it's just there's not Brooklyn Nine Nine is almost it. Yeah. And it's nice. I'm glad you're watching it and giving me a recommendation because I. Gonna probably check it out. Yeah, Col- and I mean, really, the Colton Dunn is so goddamn funny. Yeah. Um, uh, and play basically plays the the straight man in in this sh- show. Uh, and well, maybe that's not fair. Um, but he's he's just he's so charismatic, uh, and has such like a great delivery. Uh, if anybody, I feel like if anybody is a breakout from the show, it's gonna be him. So nice. Yeah. Well. We'll check it out. All right, we'll be back with a review of Doctor Strange. Colin, we're back with a review of Doctor Strange hands. I mean, Doctor Strange, who has hands. They just don't work. That's what it call. That's what you call it when you put on a latex glove before you give yourself a stranger. <laughs> strange hands. Doctor, uh, no, Doctor Strange. Doctor, oh, no. put on the latex. Ah, yeah. Yes. Now, okay. Damn. Now, yeah. That worked good. Damn. We might have to re-record this. I'm really smart when I do dumb brow, dumb low brow jokes. <laughs> low brow jokes. Yeah. Uh, so, Doctor Strange is the story of a former neurosurgeon who embarks on a journey of healing, only to be drawn into the world of the mystic arts. Fair enough, whatever. That's not, I mean, sure, right? Would you explain it any better? Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, I don't know. You could add maybe a little more detail. So Stephen Strange is like the world's most, foremost neurosurgeon, um, brilliant and skilled, but he's also highly egotistical and self-involved, um, but not, not you know, not amoral or, right. uh, you know, unethical, but just very... Yeah, 
narcissistic, somewhat narcissistic and uh, very driven. And he <laughs> um, gets in a car accident and basically loses, uh, has severe nerve damage to his hands and mm-hmm. goes on, searches for a way to, to repair himself um, and ends up on a, a mystical, mystical journey. In a mystical land. Yeah. Uh, so, Doctor Strange, Stephen Strange, is played by Benedict Cumberbatch, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie also stars Rachel McAdams as uh, the girlfriend. That's not her character's name, but it might as well be. Uh, Chuyito Ejiofor, Benedict Wong, Mads Mikkelsen, Tilda Swinton. Those are the, the main players. Um, I do want to give a shout-out to uh, the character names of the three henchmen in this movie. One of whom is played by Scott Atkins. Yes. Um, OG stuntman slash martial yeah. artist slash choreographer who's been in like every movie with a with fight scenes probably that you've ever seen. Yeah. Um, he's uh, making. He's actually trying to make his way into mainstream acting, and I think this is a good jump. But well, he's had he's had leading roles before, yeah. just not in films that anybody but I have seen. <laughs> <laughs> so. But the names of these four men and women are... So Scott Atkins is known as Strong Zealot. Zara Penthinian is known as Brunette Zealot. Alasafi is known as Tall Zealot. And Katrina Durden is known as Blonde Zealot. So, there. Tall, strong, blonde, and brunette. Wow. Yes. Way to make it, way to make it sexist and dismissive at the same time. <laughs> at the same good, time. Good fucking job. <laughs> Oh, I, yeah, so, uh, sorry. Um, and then this movie is directed by Scott Derrickson, who is a horror director. Last the, the, um, the last, or the exorcism of Emily Rose, Sinister, Delivers from Evil. Anyways, all right, let's move on. Let's talk about this movie. Um, this movie was a strange experience for me, Colin. <laughs> you, just ha- you just had to go there, huh? <laughs> Didn't help yourself. No, I couldn't. So... Let me start out by telling you what I liked about the film. I thought that the um, the themes of the, the the themes of spirituality and science were were well done. I enjoyed the um, try the, the 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 ability to try to balance both ideas. I thought that was a a, a cool idea. I'm glad they embraced it. Um, the visuals were striking. I felt especially um, towards the middle part of the film. The acting was good. <laughs> I think Commander Cumberbatch did a fine job. Tilda Swinton is uh, terrific. I feel uh, the direction was competent, um, and I thought the writing was okay. Um, the now for the things I didn't like. The choreography was awful. See, I don't think you can really say that because. We don't even have any idea what the choreography was thanks to the camera work and editing. You, you said you're like you're yeah, like uh, the visuals are striking, and I was like, yeah, striking me in the retina repeatedly <laughs> at blinding speed, so I can't tell what the hell is going on. Anyway, keep. I'm sorry. Yes, perhaps my most the most disappointing thing is how bad the fight scenes are. That is my biggest pet peeve. I I looked away a couple times because I felt like. I was getting dizzy, um, 
it, it, it's the editing is poor. You're, you're right. The choreography might have been great. But the editing is awful. Um, the, the villain is once again Mads Mikkelsen. You have an interesting villain. I feel like there's an interesting story there, but <sighs> the ending is so silly. Uh, I just feel I I just there's so much left on the table that I don't love this film. I liked it. Okay, I had a fun time. Um, I wouldn't mind probably seeing it again at some point, but I just, overall, I left confused by the rave reviews and the, the, I feel like there's just, this was a, this was an opportunity that could have really extended itself. This could have been another level in Marvel. Like they could have taken it to another level and I don't think they did. Sorry, I'm done. Yeah, um, this film was, I, I don't know, I, I expected, it's not that I expected something specific, but I expected to like it more mm. than I did. Um, it's not a bad film. In fact, I would say it's, I mean, it's it's more than competent. It's It's good... But just it just barely I'm just barely comfortable with saying that. Uh, there are some good things about the film. Um, it's it, it just it there's so many missed opportunities here. Uh, you know, I, so I feel like I feel like this film needed to be longer. Yes. And some of the the things they spent time on. I, I don't know if that's what I would have chosen, um, but really complaints with uh, the script aside, my biggest gripe with the film was basically the the visuals. Um, they are so over the top. Uh, there is so much going on, so much motion blur, so much camera movement that. I, I felt like I was watching Batman Begins in some scenes. And there was this one scene, and I don't think I've ever thought this before, uh, where I could... My brain was watching the characters, and I was like, I can follow the choreography in my head, but it's not being shown... <laughs> on the screen. It does that make any sense? I was like, man, that choreography is actually good. Like as far as in like 3D space, I could it made sense. Like their movements the, you know, sure, yeah. in relation to one another and the blows they were throwing. It was cool choreography and spatially it was realistic, but you like I couldn't see it visually because the the camera was fucking moving around too much. Like it, I was baffling, yeah. baffling. That's, I mean, that's not something you should ever like try to unpack after you see a movie. Like, <laughs> no. how do I even describe what just happened? Like, I I know that choreography was good because I could sort of like interpolate it, <laughs> but I didn't see it. I just like, <laughs> uh, you know, I I don't know. So. Real quick, I just how like so. I, I, why do you think that the cuts were made that way? I don't. I don't know because it is jarring. Like I said, I literally had to look away from the screen at, at some points because it just. 
I, I was having a hard time focusing because the cuts were so quick. I mean, the cuts are extremely quick. And it's it's cons- consistent throughout the yeah. film, too. Like, I can understand, you know, I mean, it's it, it's shitty, but, you know, okay, so Tilda Swinton has a, a stunt double, a body mm-hmm. double, but it doesn't matter who's on screen. It, they, they shoot every action scene with that same ridiculous, like, jilting style, and it's hard to follow, and it's muddied, and it's so unnecessary. Um, but it does fit into the the visual theme of this film, which seems to be loud and aggressive and moving <laughs> uh, yeah. unnecessarily. Uh, so I I don't know that. Yeah, I don't I don't know if like if so if everything had been shot the way I wanted it to, I'd be finding something else to complain about. Mm-hmm. But it was so jarringly bad. Yeah. It it really detracted from my enjoyment of the of the film. Um I agree. It, I it's agree. like it's like yeah, I was I was filling in the gaps for the the filmmaker. Like I, you know, okay, these two characters are fighting. I'm sure this is cool, but like it doesn't mean anything because I can't experience it in a way that's not just totally disorienting to me. Yeah. Um So yeah, I, but you know, that aside, uh there, there are some great performances. I almost feel this is weird too. Ejiofor was like too good of an actor for this film. Yeah. Like he delivers some of the lines he delivers with such intensity and realness. Conviction. It's, yeah, it's like somebody, somebody tell this man that like he's not. I mean, it's it's great that he can do that, but it's not consistent with the other performances in some of the scenes with him. Um, For sure. If it had been just he, Cumberbatch, and Tilda Swinton, and Cumberbatch had not been limping his way through a <laughs> half-hearted American accent, because <laughs> his accent was... I mean, it was it was passable. It wasn't Kevin Costner bad, no, but it wasn't yeah. good. Um, so... Uh, if it had just been those three and there were no accents being uh, like lilted along, then maybe that would have been appropriate because I, I think they're all they're three yeah. stellar actors. Uh, but here's the thing too: the accent. Uh, there was another movie we talked about recently. I can't remember what it was. The, the, the accent was really bad, um, and it was a British person doing it. But I just don't. Do we? Like, can he just be a British doctor? That you know, that's kind of what I was wondering. I mean, how important is his? I you know how important okay. is that like it it it's not the defining aspect of his character right but I guess they it's, they balance it, it out is it worth pissing off fanboys by making him British I mean it's not like Captain America being British you know what I mean like it's <laughs> Doctor Strange I just I don't I don't know it just it's another thing that took me out of the movie as well yeah I, I, I mean just, it, the and what sucks is like if the accent had not been an issue I feel like the casting is perfect. Uh, yeah, um, oh yeah, I agree. For that, you know, not just that Cumberbatch is a good actor, but he he excels at playing um, the arrogant, intellectual, yes. driven overachiever. Yeah. Um, and I did think that kind of that the transformation his character goes through, uh, you know, I enjoyed what he. It's sort of him finding 
becoming grounded. No, I, I, I enjoyed that. You know, I agree. From him. See, uh, and you said you had problems. I really liked the script. I thought the story was strong, and uh, the script seemed to be some one of the better parts of the of, of this project. So I, we can talk more in spoilers. I, okay. I, I feel like they. They didn't invest. They they could have invested a little bit more in in his establishing his ego kind of before the accident, and then I feel like once the training montage is over, um, they sort of jump right into that is a things, and there's no real time to. I agree with that. Digest or process what's going on. I, so I don't. That's really what I meant. Yeah, but and I don't. But I don't know if that's a script problem or and editing. Editing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it could be both, or it could be one, or it could just be the other. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I guess that maybe that's not fair to to uh, put that on the script because you know I do feel like the film should have been longer. Maybe it was longer. So I do think that you're right, though. That is a, a huge problem that we can get to in spoilers. That is probably other than the Blitzkrieg yeah. uh, of a fight of fight scenes that that is one of my biggest issues with the film. Yeah. Um, I would say that I think if you in my opinion I think this movie benefits from being seen on the big screen um, in certain aspects but in other ways it might make you want to throw up. Yeah. This I don't know like this film is is good it's competent but it's it didn't feel it felt like it was missing that hook mm-hmm. like it was missing something special and considering yeah. like what they had to work with it should have been a lot better agreed so I, you know go it's it's not it's not a waste of money to go see this mm-hmm. i don't think but uh if you're expecting this to be the best Marvel origin story or something like that it was not even close for me personally yeah, agree uh, do you want to go ahead and move on to spoilers yep let's uh, let's get real weird <laughs> alright uh, if you don't want to hear spoilers for Doctor Strange stop listening now what honey wow are you oh, kidding really? me you just ruin it every oh, time oh, I'll see you at home well, wait so a second rude. now how would you not know that that was taking place alright Colin spoilers for Doctor Strange Tilda Swinton is white (laughs) (laughs) and they even they have the they have the joke where he thinks he's yeah talking to the Asian man is that do you think that that was the entire point of casting her is so they could they could do that do that to the character I I don't I really don't know I mean I think Tilda Swinton's a great actress and she pulls off androgyny really well so she does but it just I don't why, why why is she white why yeah they could have they could have cast a cast an Asian woman it's like they there are literally you know, millions of of Asian women it's weird to think about but uh probably quite a few that could have acted yeah. yes I don't I don't have an answer and it just I mean we could go on we've done this before about Marvel casting issues I just I don't I mean this is probably their most diverse cast which is funny it is, um, yeah. But it could have been even more diverse yeah. and made more sense. I, I mean, they refer to her as being Celtic in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I, so Nobody knows. No, yeah, nobody, nobody knows, She's right? She's mysterious. Oh, God. Um, 
And why was she bald? Like, the, I mean, I, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, so, <clears throat> let's just jump right in. I, because I'm, I'm curious. I, the ending to me, or particularly when the third act starts, didn't it feel like it was like a, a neutered third act? Like, I felt like it was like long first act, long second act, climax. Yeah, it's it really like there's no final showdown. <laughs> yeah. Like, it just dra- jumps straight to the resolution, almost. Yeah. It's weird. Uh, I don't... God, and I just... It almost feels like, how much money did they spend on those fucking action sequences? Right. Like, that was... Just, you know, the Matrix meets Inception. Uh-huh. People running in different planes and... Yeah. Did, I mean, did you... it Watching the credits, like, the amount of... Uh, um, visual effects studios like production I didn't pay attention teams there were like eight of them wow you know just yeah. I mean there were so many people who worked on the the visual effects for this film and it was just uh, I mean it I almost wish it had been there had been less of it and it had been done better I feel like it would have meant more I mean, don't don't you think too? Like, I, th- this was the way I, way I felt is like, you didn't need the um, what what is the the dark side the power the what is the dark power what is it? Yeah, the Dormammu's. Yeah, I, I don't think you needed that. You could just have that as like a looming thing hanging over this overarching story. It doesn't. I don't think you ever needed it to invade the world necessarily. Um, because it doesn't. I mean, yes, you have him going and having to address the time issue, the time loop. Um, but I, I don't know. Like that just seemed like it seemed like honestly like it was thrown in. Like it felt like it was like, all right, we have it to this point. We're gonna throw it in, and like you have this character build up, Mad, this Mad Mad Mickelson's character built up, and you don't get to spend any real time with it. Like you don't know anything about him and how he deals with. The, his zealots you don't know like you see them like chanting and like praying or doing whatever but you don't I don't know I just wanted to see a little bit more because I feel like that character like could potentially you could have some kind of em- empathy for that character and what he feels like is right because and that is that could be a huge I mean I'm going off on like a little bit of a tangent but any kind of religious zealot doesn't think they're evil. They think that the opposite of that. They think that you're... And you just... That never comes through completely with that character. And I feel like that would be an, uh, been an interesting theme to explore. Yeah. It's something I kind of thought about mentioning in non-spoilers, but it's, it's fine saving it for here, is this film just suffers from Marvel syndrome, which is... Mm-hmm no developed antagonist um is Dormammu the antagonist is it the master whatever his name is Master Mads Mikkelsen yeah Um, and they really did have an opportunity to bring into the the conversation of the film his motivation and the the, I mean the, the central issue that ends up uh causing Mordo to defect you know um, is it okay to do the 
wrong thing for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, you know, is are you allowed to break rules to for the greater good, or is that you know never okay? Is that an abuse of power? And that they 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 just they have just enough there to be able to use it in the film without mm-hmm. feeling it feeling shoehorned in. But they could have done so much more to sort of cause Doctor Strange and Mordo to question the Ancient One and question their role and question the this little insurrection and who they should have been fighting for and why, you know, whether, who was really misleading them and uh, the adding that sort of moral ambiguity would have made for a more compelling film. Yeah. And considering the, you know, the themes of the the character's journey, it I don't know I don't just would have been better if they'd invested in that conversation, especially since Mordo has turned already, um, which. I don't know. Uh, logically, I don't know if they could have waited to for the second film, if it would have made more sense to have something happen to drive him away mm. then, mm. Um, which is where I assumed they were going, but instead they choose to do it in like the, the end of this film. Yeah. Um, and not only that, like they sort of do it at the end, but you don't really know. Uh, you could just be a falling out. But then the after credits... They just yeah. flush it down the toilet. Like you have no chance of really building up the relationship yeah. to drive it. What you know? I don't know. It just has some strange choices. It feels like this film, in in a little bit of a, uh, you said it suffers from like the Marvel. What you call it? Marvelism? Just Marvel film syndrome, where they yeah. there's no bad guy. It also. I also feel like. <laughs> I also feel like it suffers from the Avengers Age of Ultron uh, syndrome where everything feels like it has to be put into one movie and it, we have to get resolution and we have to we can't build on what we've already made because there's going to be another Avengers and the, Doctor Strange is going to be part of Thor and we have to continue this cycle because I feel like if they would have taken their time like you said like I don't I especially when we know that there's going to be multiple with these movies there's no need to resolve everything but at the same time I also want to see seeds planted for relationships to build in the future and I don't think like the relationship between um, the relationship between Wong and uh, Cumberbatch I don't know how it is in, in the comics. I don't know if it even exists. But I feel like there's an opportunity there to almost make Wong a sidekick character. And they just never... They never built that. Like, that could be a... I feel like that could be a character. Well, they they also... So, the Ancient One talks about the, the fact that Mordo and Strange complement each other. That too. And there could have been a really interesting dynamic with their relationship that would have made uh, Mordo's betrayal feel even more personal. Um, 
and be, because they I mean they need each other but then they don't they don't go anywhere with it like Strange just kind of gets a clever idea and solves the problem and they don't learn their lesson that you know they both have something to offer and they complement one another and they need to yeah you know be I mean you don't you don't feel like like Strange ever needs Motor either or what's his name Mordo 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 yeah like you never feel that like early on in the film you feel like they're building to that like him to realize like because the character it's building to this thing that he needs to learn to work with the team yeah but they never follow through on that either like well also yeah so like when he the when he survives the first attack like the fucking master guardian just dies instantly and meanwhile, this talented novice is <laughs> just... bumbling around and like holds off the this master, like the second, you know, yeah, like, the second just, strongest. I mean, it, I don't know the, the 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 cloak. Actually, I thought was a brilliant piece of like prop filmmaking. It was yeah, it was um, pretty cool, and that was great. But then, like aside from that, it doesn't really make sense. No, like I he. Didn't. If he had just been, like, barely surviving and outwitting them, it would have been fine. But he fights back fairly mm-hmm. successfully. And I just was like... I mean, I he, feel like we got here too quickly, Yeah, guys. exactly. Yeah. Uh, and just, like, his blow-up at Rachel McAdams' character, well, it felt so undeserved. Yeah. I, I just... I was kind of like, okay, I guess we're moving on now. Like, it... There's no... They cut from his recovery to his, him hitting rock bottom without spending enough enough time there. And it just I guess all my complaints seem to boil down to either the the fucking nonsensical seizure rave astroplane eye fuck VFX <laughs> or the fact that the movie should have been thirty minutes longer. I think there's also an issue with Rachel McAdams character and I just touch on this briefly and we can move on, but I just don't understand why Marvel keeps putting these well, I understand why they put these big name actors in there. So you had like Natalie Portman and Thor. Yeah, um, you know, uh, I can't. My mind's going blank. Um, Haley Atwell uh, as Agent Carter. I mean, they at least they built on Agent Carter. Uh, you know, they had a TV show, but like in the actual Captain America universe, she's just a, a prop. And this is the same. Rachel McAdams is just a plot point, and. It just there's these girlfriends. They keep putting girlfriends in these films, uh, and you know somebody like Pepper Potts makes sense for Iron Man, but having all these characters, these these female characters in these movies, it just it doesn't feel right. There's something that just it feels off yeah. about it, and uh, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, my my crazy here. They, I mean. Not at all. They they didn't make it as exploitative as they could have. Yeah. You know, it's not like she's pining for him. She right. she is the you know the moral high ground and takes the moral high ground and uh, is the the stronger character initially. But she doesn't need to be in the movie really, other than as an anchor for his humanity. Um, 
You know, that could have been anybody. That could have been a friend. It, it's it, we. I just. Yeah, it could have been anybody. It just. I don't, yeah. I that just really bothered me. I just because I, I think Richard McAdams is a fine actress, and I just feel like she's wasted in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> like, I I agree. Uh, um. Anything else that you wanted to touch on? In no, particular, I, you know, I just I like the score of this movie. I did enjoy the score. It was good. Um, I think it's one of the better Marvel scores, honestly. Um, I liked, I liked the character design. Somebody pointed out that the the main the main theme is eerily similar to uh, the Star Trek theme. Maybe that's why I liked yeah. it. I didn't know that, but that could be. That could be part of it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, so we, we have Doctor Strange in the books. I think it's an okay film. Uh, if the Ancient One was foreseeing her own death at that moment for a thousand years, why was she still surprised when the, when the, when the, <laughs> the, the mirror, mirror blade stabs her good question I, f- I feel like if you're not gonna at least try and like fuck with time and not die you should you should pretty much be ready for it I thought it, I thought I mean I kind of assumed that she was going to die yeah but I really believed that it was going to be a self-sacrificing moment and yeah. it really wasn't maybe maybe it didn't matter what she did she just knew she was gonna die in that moment maybe it wasn't that specific that specific yeah. the benefit of the doubt that's fair yeah um yeah, I don't know why she even. Uh, whatever, I'm not gonna. It, we could. Uh, there's questions uh, surrounding this movie. It's in the books. Uh, yeah. We didn't even talk about her character and the actions of her character. Yeah, the motivation. Kind of, like. Yeah. Well, she she's like this leader, but she her. You know, the way she like acts is not. She just sort of like shows up and starts fighting. You know, she's not. Out of nowhere, yeah. Like she's is she omni is she, is she omnipresent? Like I felt like she was everywhere at once. Like why not like fight with your disciples? Yeah, or, it was. Yeah, you know, that like, was like have a plan. Strange. Or, like she, hang back to defend these these places that are you know sealing Dormammu out or yeah whatever. It, it, didn't she kind of feel like this is uh, maybe I'm a little off, off base, but if she did she not feel like a television evangelist? Like, do what I say, not as I do kind of thing. Like, uh, Yeah, that was the point, but then they didn't, like, they didn't build her up enough to, for that to, like, really Yeah, I didn't really question her. Yeah. Like, to besmirch her character, her integrity. Because <laughs> you're true. like, oh, she's doing that the whole time. Cool. <laughs> yeah. There wasn't even anything, yeah. like, it wasn't even really hinted at either. It was just like, she's doing this. She doesn't. Well, she doesn't really like try try and justify it. She's no. just like. Yeah, we don't know why she was doing it either. Yeah. Whatever. All right, it's fine. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> just. Yeah, before we start liking this movie less. Uh, so what do you what are we seeing, Colin? What are we seeing? This Let's week? promise something and then see something totally different. I think that's what we should do. We have lots of choices. I feel like this week. Um, I mean, I. Know, Hacksaw Ridge, I would like to see, but I don't think that's going to be it. Right? I mean, it, we can, we'll definitely talk about it. I, I mean, I am ecstatic for Arrival. I can, I can see, I can uh, see your, 
the mast from here. But that doesn't mean that we need to review it. Uh, no. I'm definitely going to see it. I, th- I think we should... I would be surprised if that's we did something different. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to throw a wrench in my plan, but Moonlight is also in Cincinnati. Is it really? Yes. Well, we will totally not see that and be really angry and feel <laughs> awful about it then. <laughs> so we have some choices. Those are probably the three that are at the top of the list. But uh, I think it's going to do it for this episode. I got nothing. All right. Uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. Oh. Uh, Email us, midnightfilmreview at gmail.com. I, I know we already talked about it, but uh, don't make Adam Adam carry the torch again next week. Uh, send, you know, send us something. Tell, tell us to keep our dirty politics off the show. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Do something. Write us an angry email. Midnightfilmreview at gmail.com. We love you. Okay, I'm sorry. Bye.